Welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. Presented by the News Press and Naples Daily News. One, two, three. Hello and welcome to the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. I am Dustin Levy, joined today by Dan DeLuca and Alex Martin. And the regular season is a wrap. We have our playoff teams, we have brackets, and we're going to get all up in there and make predictions and all that good stuff. But first, we have our Week 11 games to recap. I want to start with a Thursday night game, Fort Myers-Cape Coral. Dan, how do the Greenies look entering the postseason? Uh, not great. They ended up putting up 50 points, 152 to 22. But I think, uh, and this was, I think, a little bit of a theme of week 11 is there was some, you know, sort of hangover that teams that were already locked into the playoffs like Fort Myers was, you know, probably didn't really come out with the fire that you needed. Uh, Fort Myers was not crisp at all. They lost fumbles on their first two offensive touches of the game. Cape Coral made a lot of mistakes also. Uh, That's kind of been a little bit of their MO this year, and that really helped Fort Myers kind of pull away from the game. One bright spot for Fort Myers was Jaden German uh, returned the interception for a touchdown. Uh, He's gotten steadily better, I think, playing on defense. Um, as the season has progressed, only a freshman, so really learning on the varsity levels. I think that, you know, having him and Madrid Tucker uh, next to each other there in the secondary, I think that's going to help Fort Myers uh, going into the playoffs. But, you know, you got the win. It was senior night. Uh, Coach Sirianni, you know, wasn't sure if that kind of factored into, you know, you're changing the routines. But I think it was a little bit of a look ahead, though, that, you know, we're in the playoffs and, you know, this is Cape Coral and they've lost five in a row and we're going to win easily. And while the score looked that way, it it was not the kind of effort I think you want going into the playoffs. But there's nothing to say that they can't dial it up. Uh, And with, you know, their opportunity to face Dunbar again, I don't think it's going to take much to get those kids focused. Yeah. And as you mentioned, it it was a common thing theme throughout week 11 we saw several teams who had their spots in the playoffs clinch maybe not play their best football uh mockley giving up 68 points to Laley in a loss mariner losing to south fort myers it was definitely the case at my game dunbar lehigh uh which had an unbelievable final few minutes i'll take you right there lehigh was up seven to six uh in the final two minutes dunbar got the lead when austin price hit T.J. Abrams for a 62-yard touchdown down the sideline. Then, you know, you think at that point, okay, you know, Dunbar has it at this point. They failed to convert the two-point conversion. And then Lehigh with Dorian Mallory just marched down the field. The battle to watch all night was between uh, Terrence Smith Jr. and Kelby Tyree. And Mallory ended up scoring uh, in the final 20 seconds, hitting Terrence Smith Jr. for a seven-yard touchdown. And you think at that point, okay, you know, Lehigh got this. Uh, And then the kickoff, uh, it was fielded by Damari Loggins, who flipped it to Eric Fletcher, who raced down the sidelines for uh, to get the lead 1815. Fletcher told me that this was something that they had practiced. Here's what he had to say about that play. The kickoff return, is that something you and Damari planned and practiced? We planned that all day, all week in practice. I told him, I said, it's the time to run it right here. I said, run up a little bit. I'm going to run behind you. you. You pitch it off, game winner. 
How would you describe the last few minutes of that game? It, it's I can't even, it's not I don't even have words. I just love I love these boys and I told them boys I got them off that one drop I had. I said I'm gonna redeem myself and I want it for the team. Of course, that wasn't the end of the madness in that game as Lehigh on the following kickoff, Doran Mallory lateraled it to Marquand Young, who ran down the sidelines for a touchdown. But of course, there was a flag on the field for a block in the back. I think it was the right call, but it was a really devastating blow to Lehigh, who really wanted this. They were going for their first win against Dunbar in a while, who you know, had Dunbar dead to rights, but... We see time and time again with Dunbar in close games where it looks for all the world that they're going to lose, that they somehow find a way to pull it out, and that's what happened last Friday. Got to ask you guys, um, you guys were at both of these games. I mean, we can consider them game of the year. I mean, which one is it? I mean, at this point, I mean, is it Dunbar-Lehigh? Is it Dunbar-Fort Myers with all the pandemonium and two OTs? I mean, Given the implications that if Lehigh won, they would have, let's face it, they would have been in the playoffs. I mean, where are you guys kind of at on this? I would lean to Dunbar Fort Myers just because of what it meant for that district by virtue of that win. Basically, you know, Dunbar won the district. Uh, you know, they had to beat South Fort Myers. They didn't have much trouble with that, you know, getting three defensive touchdowns. But uh, I mean, if you just look at, you know, who made the key play in both of those games, it's it's really Eric Fletcher. Um, he had a big return for a touchdown against Fort Myers to kind of get Dunbar back in that game in that crazy second half. He pulled in a um, touchdown on fourth down in the first overtime that sent it to the second overtime where Dunbar is able, able to pull it out 40 to 39. So, I mean, you talk about a player that's just – come up big in big situations I mean it's hard to find one um, you know that's done it better than than Eric Fletcher and you know Dustin you talk about a team that um, knows how to win close games and knows how to deal with adversity that's what the playoffs is all about right and I think that's why when we're going to do this in a little bit but when you look at regions and you say you know who's got the stuff to you know kind of progress through this through this region I mean, if you just look at Dunbar's resume and what they've been able to overcome, not just in the playoffs, but in the regular season as well, that that becomes habit for players. And, you know, you get in a situation where it looks like you're down and out. You have those memories to draw back on that. You know, remember the Fort Myers game. Remember the Lehigh game. You know, we did it before. We can do it again. And that you can't underestimate the fact of having kids believe that they can do something that looks unlikely. And nobody's done that better than Dunbar recently. Absolutely. And I, I agree with Dan that Fort Myers Dunbar are probably the better game overall, but those last two minutes were unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, yeah, pandemonium, I, as he said. I, I don't think I, I mean, if that Lehigh touchdown stood, I don't think we've ever seen three touchdowns in 18 seconds like that. I, um, that that would have been nuts if that touchdown would have stood. Lehigh would be playing in the playoffs, they'd be practicing today. That would have been pretty nuts. And we'd obviously be talking about different matchups in 3S Region 4 and uh, the seedings being different because Dunbar would have dropped. Um, but all in all, I mean, that was just – it was a fun one to follow on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, that game was that game was on one. Uh, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and I definitely think in these last three weeks uh, with Lehigh getting decisive wins against Riverdale and North Fort Myers and, and almost, <laughs> almost taking it to Dunbar – uh, getting as close as you possibly can. They're really showing that they're they're prime for, you know, a, a good era under Antoine Dixon. Uh, another game that had 
playoff implications was community school and evangelical Christian going at it. Alex, tell me a little bit about what was on the line here and how the Seahawks managed to pull off the win. Uh, Well, CSN successfully avoided a rematch with ECS this week. Big matchup for them. They fought their way back down 20 points. Uh, Three-score game, they successfully rattled off, I mean, three unanswered touchdowns to to take a 27-26 lead and just managed to pull away. And that's something, um, you know, we hadn't really seen out of CSN much this year because they haven't been put in that type of situation before playing in a competitive game. I mean, that game and Northside Christian are really our only two sample sizes uh, in terms of games this year. Um, They were competitive with FBA early, but just did not finish on the drives and chances in which they needed to do so. Um, that just doomed them from the start, but that was huge for them. I mean, CSN held uh, the number two seed. They're going to get more Haven this week. Actually, next week, uh, 1S is off until the 17th, but, um, you know, successfully avoiding ECS, which I think is an under-ranked uh, four seed, you know, I think they're better than their record indicates, and I think it was big that CSN avoided them uh, two weeks in a row because if ECS wins that game, um, they're riding with momentum. They probably believe that they can get to a regional final, um, but now the Paz, I think it, it's looking like maybe we're going to have a battle for Livingston once again in the playoffs. Another good game this week was the Catfish Bowl between Baron Collier and Gulf Coast. Baron Collier, we'll get into this when we talk about our bracket, but they are the three seed, and and they really deserve it. I mean, they've won uh, a bunch of close games this season. Alex, how did they do it against the Sharks this week? Well, I mean, they just played really explosive offense. Um, Their their offense was really, really good, and they've been stringing it together over the last couple weeks since Nico Boyce got back from that concussion. Um, He threw for 314 yards. Uh, he did have a pick, but he threw for two touchdowns. He ran for 100-plus on the ground. Uh, this Barron team you know, had 500-plus yards of offense on Gulf Coast. And, and obviously that's kind of been a theme this year. Gulf Coast's defense is stingy and, and feisty, um, but they're nowhere near where they were last year. So they are giving up yardage, but the big thing with Gulf Coast is that they're a bend-don't-break type defense. They give up yardage, but, I mean, points. Um, you think allowing 500 yards of offense would result in more than 28 points. Obviously it didn't. But uh, the Cougars, I mean, they just had it going. I mean, it was, you know, aside from Boyce, I mean, Jackson Polly made a return uh, after a one-game hiatus. I mean, Braden Johnson had a big uh, screen pass. Uh, he had two catches for 101 yards. Brody Graham, uh, what else can you expect from him? Six catches for 101 and two touchdowns. So, I mean, it's it's Barron's offense just being Barron's offense. I mean, they were efficient through the air. Uh, they were efficient on the ground. Um, and they just outdueled Gulf Coast. And to the Sharks' credit, they actually have established a passing game at now uh, with Jay Saylor as their starting quarterback. Uh, good frame on him. I really like him uh, moving forward. I think he has a chance to be a decent little quarterback next season, assuming he will be the full-time starter. Uh, 17 carries for 66 yards and a touchdown, and any completed 8 of 14 passes for 151 in two touchdowns. Uh, Gulf Coast, I mean, they're stringing it together at the right time uh, in terms of the offensive effort. But defensively, I mean, they, they got a little bit of work to do, and, and you know, they're going to get a Immokalee uh, this week in a rematch on the road. It's tough. And after the break, we are going to talk about some of those playoff matchups, talk about the brackets, and uh, give our thoughts. Stay tuned. Let's go! Keep up with the action every week by following our live Friday night scoreboard at naplesnews.com, news-press.com. And by downloading the Naples Daily News and News Press apps onto your mobile devices. 
Welcome back. Thanks to Selection Sunday, we finally have some brackets to look at. We are going to go through each one, talk about the teams that made it and their chances of going through. And then at the end, we're all going to pick our prediction on who's going to come out. So we are going to start with Class 1S. This has First Baptist hosting Evangelical Christian, not this week, but the following, and Community School hosting Moorhaven. First Baptist obviously came out of this region last year on their way to the state title. My question to you guys is, where do you see the biggest kind of issue coming up for First Baptist in their chances to uh, come out of the region again? I don't know. Maybe Moorhaven's month-long vacation might do a number on them here. Uh, Maybe uh, ECS could give them a problem. No, I'm obviously joking. I I don't really – I don't know how to answer your question because – um, they put up 40 or more points in every game since Winston joined them, and I, I just don't know if they really like encounter a problem. I mean, maybe it's like a three and out on the second drive of the game or something like that, but I just don't see a, a team plaguing them throughout a game and stopping them you know, to the point where it's going to be competitive, right? And I just don't... I don't see that this year. This team is good. This team is is overmatched for I think the rest of the region, and you know they're number one in the state uh, in their class for a reason. They've been competitive in a lot of games. Uh, they've went on the road and won a couple big games against w- uh, Wakiva and Golden Gate. Uh, Wakiva is better than that record, but um, I just I don't really see an issue for them in the next two weeks uh, or the next two games rather. I agree with you, but for the purposes of answering the question, I'm just going to say that it's probably not going to be community school just based on that game earlier this season, the history between those teams. If anything's going to happen, maybe ECS, maybe Moorhaven, it's probably not going to happen. But I I would be floored if we get that first Baptist community school game and community school comes out on top. And look, they were. I mean, I mentioned it in the earlier segment. CSN just did not put away their opportunities early. They played a decent little first quarter, and and an overall an okay first half enough to compete. Um, but you got to play for four quarters in a game like that, and that's. I don't know if it's schedule or not, but CSN hadn't really had to play a full four quarters in eighty percent of their games this year, and that. That kind of strikes a problem. I mean, if if you're just blowing teams out and and you're putting in second team guys in the third and fourth quarters, I mean that doesn't, you know, get your guys ready for a full 48 when your season's on the line. And uh, obviously, you know, kids are trying to get in and get PT, but you know, you got to schedule tougher earlier on, and that's just something that you know FBA successfully did and CSN didn't. And I mean, ECS, we kind of saw the same issue with them last year, right? They had an undefeated regular season. Um, they just didn't have the schedule really to make us believe that they would be able to make a splash. And, and sure enough, they got bounced in the first round by Moorhaven in a rematch. But, yeah, I mean, it just comes down to schedule and getting your guys ready, and I, I think FBA did the best job at doing that uh, this year. Moving over to Class 2S. Region 4, we have Bishop Rowe as the top seed. They are hosting Mulberry this week, and Estero is the four seed. They are going on the road to play Hardy. Uh, same, similar question here. Just where do you see the biggest problem occurring for the Vikings? Um, I think it might be a semifinal game against Estero if they get there. And I say that because, like, Varro already beat them once, 
and beat him handily. I don't know how hard or how easy it would be to get the guy get a get the team up for that game when you've already beat them fifty two to nothing. I mean, it's it's hard to motivate. Um, maybe in that situation, in that hypothetical, but you know, Vero. I mean, I, I think we might be able to just jokingly set a line here. I mean, an over under one hundred and fifty points in their three games in the regionals, but it, it will be hard for them. I think at least maybe in the second round. Um, and then I think at that point, getting past that, the third round, they can smell another Final Four if they get that far, assuming nothing crazy happens. But um, if they do get a Starrow in the second round, I think that might be a little tough for them early. They might come out maybe flat on the first drive or something. It might just be hard for them to get up for that game. And do you agree? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the one thing to understand, though, is that the playoffs are really a whole different animal. And you can make some projections from the regular season, but sometimes, you know, weird things just happen. And teams that you think are penciled into a Final Four end up, you know, getting knocked out. And I'll always go back to one of the best teams that I ever saw was 2004 Naples High School. Went undefeated through the regular season. There was Storm that year. I forget which one it was, but they only played nine games. Uh, Defense was virtually uh, unstoppable, just ridiculous. Just blew out everybody in the regular season. They had gone to and lost the state championship game the prior year, 2003. Everybody's saying, this team's going back to the state championship. They lose 28-27 to in the first round at home to Sarasota Riverview. Just a weird game. Fumbles, turnovers, bad special teams, which you never really saw out of a Naples team. Sometimes teams come in with nothing to lose, and they play loose. And, you know, when you have those expectations on, you know, the Monday where we're taping this before the first playoff game and people are saying, oh, yeah, you're going to win the state championship, or, oh, yeah, you're going to the Final Four. If things don't go your way that first game and that at halftime, things can start to tighten up, and the team that has nothing to lose can play a lot looser. Now, do I think it's very likely that First Baptist and Bishop Rowe make deep runs? Yes. Is it guaranteed? No. Um, But the one thing I will say that both those teams have going for them is they have playoff experience, and that's that's a huge thing. Uh, Winning playoff experience is a huge thing. We talk about Estero. Estero's been in the playoffs the last couple years. Estero hasn't won a playoff game since 2001. Um, and that's a long time. And, you know, you have to have those memories. You have to have something to draw on uh, sometimes. And, you know, maybe it'll start this year. Maybe they'll be able to go to Hardy and win. Uh, Hardy's a tough place to play. Stero should probably win that game. Hardy doesn't, hasn't really challenged themselves this year, doesn't really have a very good schedule. But, you know, until you do it, 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 it's all just real speculation. And you mentioned, I mean, that Naples team in nine games allowed 56 total points all year. I mean, they had six games in which they allowed 10 or fewer points. They, I mean, they were they were dominant in 4 and that first playoff game they came out flat and came up short. You know, I, I think Vero would be in a better position to avoid that. I just think their offense gives them plenty of opportunities to overcome maybe those types of things when obviously Bill Kramer's Naples team was designed to chew clock, and obviously that can be its their own worst enemy at times in, in a competitive game like that, especially if they were trailing. But, yeah, I mean, it, I mean the teams just have to avoid getting complacent and, and getting satisfactory. Obviously, you know, we're pretty deep into the high school football scene where – People read what we have to say, and when, for the most part, we've gotten it right this year. 
Um, but, you know, just avoiding that letdown. I mean, I think fortunately Vero is in a region where that probably won't happen. But obviously, as Dan said, any anything can happen. I mean, Dustin, you, your first playoff game here, I want to say it was Plantation Dunbar. And that was an 8-1 game. And, and Dunbar was the only one seed in the state to lose that year, if I'm not mistaken. And that's another thing. Obviously, more loaded region, more competitive, but it was an eight downing a one. Yeah, and uh, Dunbar had come into that postseason undefeated. Undefeated. Yeah, it's a bit of a different picture in in Class 3S where a majority of our local teams are. Starting with the top seed, Golden Gate, they'll be hosting Mariner. Uh, We have a rematch of that Dunbar-Fort Myers epic, our 4-5 game. Uh, and then Naples is hosting Parish Community and Baron Collier going on the road, even though they're the three seed, to the district champion Port Charlotte team. What stands out to you guys about this bracket? Uh, I think the fact that you could make a legitimate case for four teams to come out of this region. I mean, I, I could get talked into four teams. I could get talked into Golden Gate, get talked into Naples, get talked into Port Charlotte, and get talked into Dunbar. And, I mean, you could even look at Fort Myers with the way their offense has played uh, recently. If they can protect the football, they can make a good case. You can even look at Baron Collier. You know, Port Charlotte had trouble with Bishop Verreau. You know, good pass, obviously our best passing game in the region. Baron Collier can throw the football too. Um, so, you know, while I, I think a lot of teams are looking at Port Charlotte as kind of like, oh, that's a team nobody wants to play in the first round, Port Charlotte beat two teams this year, you know, that finished with winning records. They beat Gulf Coast, handled them pretty good. Gulf Coast has struggled at times to get much of their offense going. And they beat Parrish, um, who was runner-up, you know, in Port Charlotte's district. Parrish hasn't really had a great schedule, in my opinion. Uh, they lost to Lemon Bay, who's in, who's in Verreau's class, by 20 points at home. So you could look at a lot of different teams really coming out. What am I looking forward to in the first round? Well, I'm looking forward to Fort Myers and Dunbar. Um, I don't believe that they've ever met in the postseason before. Uh, I don't know that to be exactly true, but I can't think of a previous meeting in the postseason. It's going to be an epic game, I, I think. I think both teams are better than when they met up uh, in September. And it'll be it'll be really interesting, but that's definitely one that I'm I'm really looking forward to. It was also interesting to see that Golden Gate and Naples were separated by two spots in the rankings. But I, I was glad to see Golden Gate, you know, get that edge just because they have since beating Naples, they've really carried that momentum and they've just been the best team both sides of the ball. They've impressed. And I think, you know, there's definitely some tough competition here, but I do think that Golden Gate Naples game, there's a good chance that it happens. Yeah, and I look, we we picked Golden Gate after. I mean, I picked Golden Gate in all, but I think one game this year, and it was the Naples game. I think we've picked Golden Gate in every single game. Um, you know, and they've been really good, and I've said that before. They are a scary good team with the style of offense that they've run. I said it on the podcast last week. I say it again this week. Um, you know, they are a deep talented team that has the pieces to get to a final four plain and simple they are arguably the most complete team that i've seen uh, offensively and defensively uh, just from the games that i've seen obviously the fba game is kind of the one outlier that i throw out the window because they had no film on on winston Watkins in that offense i think if that game's played again i might lean towards the titans yeah. but but i mean they're just 
they got a running game. They've got a quarterback who can make throws, not not a guy who's going to drop back 20, 25 times a game. They got a guy who can make throws. They got a running game with Trayvon Jean. They've got a wildcat package with John Leonarod who can run the ball and catch it out wide. They've got Bradley Martino who seems to just, whenever he's on offense, he scores touchdowns. I mean, I think 70-plus percent of his touches go for scores, and it's like he's got 20 touches on the year and, and like 12, 13 offensive touchdowns. Um they're, they're a team that, you know, really deep and proven at this point. And I really am interested in that 1-4, 1-5 matchup. You know, because I think Golden Gate should run away with this in the first round of the playoffs against Mariner. But, I mean, if it's Dunbar, if it's Fort Myers, that should be an appetizing game. And, and back to Dan's point about Port Charlotte, obviously not really battle-tested in terms of the strength of schedule component. Um, but just from the games they have played, I mean, you have to look at the margins and – you know, I look at that Gulf Coast game, I mean, 38-zip. For comparison, Golden Gate went up 35 nothing, and then the running clock turned on, and then it was 35-7. So Port Charlotte is a very scary sixth seed in my eyes. Um, I could very well see them beating Barron and beating Naples to get to a regional final, and whether that's maybe Golden Gate in the regional final or whether it's like Dunbar and we see like a 4-6 uh, regional final, I think that's a very conceivable scenario uh, just because, I mean, uh, he said – he has four teams that can make it. I got five, and I, and I think Fort Myers is, is kind of right with them. The only thing I would say about Golden Gate is, have they won a playoff game ever? No. Okay. Now, I would look at these brackets, and I don't know for sure, but is there another number one seed in a region that has zero career playoff wins? I think it would be tough to find one. Um, and that's that's the only caution that I would have about saying Golden Gates, you know, they are the top seed. The favorite to run through this region is there's not a track record there. And that's not to say they can't start one, but it's tough, in my opinion, when you don't have that history, when you don't have that memory, I keep coming to that, of players because you're going to be in tough situations, especially in this region. This is a loaded region. Um, of, of the regions that our teams are in, uh, you know, and even the ones our, our teams are not in. I mean, I, I think this is a really, really tough region. And, you know, you, a 1-4 where you're playing a Fort Myers or a Dunbar, if Dunbar has to go to Golden Gate, is that a game we think that, you know, Dunbar couldn't find a way to win? It's a whole different game, I think, when, when you get to the playoffs. I, I've seen so many upsets over the years. South Fort Myers team with Dallas Crawford, Sammy Watkins when they were juniors. They get beat by Lehigh, uh, you know, at home. A, a Lehigh team that was 5-5 that was five and five and just had something going in the running game, something going in special teams that year under Pete Fomenaya, who later went on to Gulf Coast. And she had no business beating South Fort Myers. So much more talent. But those kids had never won a playoff game. They had never played in the play in the playoffs. And that makes a difference. I'm glad you brought this up because, you know, I think in this region you, you might look to a Naples because of, you know, their pedigree. Dunbar came through the region last year and think, you know, you compare that to, to Golden Gate's history and think it's favorable. But being at that Naples-Golden Gate game earlier this season – you know, if Golden Gate had fluked that win with a, a miracle play or, or something, I'd agree with you. But the way they beat Naples, the, the way they shut down their running game, it, it seems replicable. And that's why I, I do have confidence in their abilities this postseason. Yeah, I mean, they, they went on the road there. And, and that was 
That was an eye-opening win because, you know, obviously they haven't been in many competitive games this year, let's face it. They've been in three competitive games, and it was that Naples game, it was Bartow on the road, which they lost, and then it was FBA, and they are 1-2 and two in those competitive games. Obviously, Naples is one that I think probably is the one that is circled the most among those three games. You want to take down the Giant in Collier County? It's It was Naples uh, at this point. FBA is making inroads there, but they aren't there yet. But they're going to have to be in some really competitive games and situations here. Obviously, P.J. Gibbs knows all too well about Dunbar uh, during his time at Palmetto Ridge in 2020. Uh, 12-9 game, defensive battle. Um, you know They have coaches on staff with playoff experience, but that's different. Obviously, coaches can game plan a lot easier than players can execute. Lapses can happen in coverage. Lapses can happen offensively. Um, it's going to come down to a variety of things. And um, that's why this region is obviously the most fascinating. And, I mean, I, I think Port Charlotte gets there. Barron, you know, it's going to be tough. But I, I think we might see Port Charlotte Golden Gate, Port Charlotte Dunbar uh, for the region. Our last region that we're going to take a look at is Class 4S Region 4. And one of our teams is going to be knocked out in the first round because it's a rematch, Gulf Coast Immokalee. My question for you guys is not necessarily who's going to win this game. Which team do you think maybe has a chance for a run of these two teams? Well, neither team really has, uh, you know, has playoff experience. Gulf Coast still hasn't won a playoff game, and it's, uh, you know, it's history since opening in the late '90s. And obviously, Immokalee uh, was put in a pretty unfortunate situation a couple of years ago, being forced to go independent due to a lack of players and players, you know, going elsewhere. You know, it, it will be a very interesting contest, right? Because you were at this game. Immokalee showed that it could score in nine minutes and in two clock, and it could score in two minutes. Um, Gulf Coast, obviously, not really designed to get into a shootout. I think the Baron game kind of proved that to us. You know, they couldn't be on the right side of that outcome. Um, you know, Alex Gelman's field goal, if that goes through the uprights, we're headed to OT in that game. Uh, you know, against Immokalee two weeks ago. And um, it, it's one of those toss-up games. I mean, I think it's a one-score game again. I don't see either side blowing each other out. I don't think Immokalee was anywhere near where they wanted to be going into the playoffs this week. I think, you know, allowing 68 points just the second time this decade, I mean, that's a that's a, a, a high. I mean, Clearwater Academy International put up 68 in 2019. Um, no other team has matched that number in 10 years uh, other than uh, lately this past week. But, you know, Gulf Coast, they're going on the road. I was at the time at the game when they went out to Gary Bates Stadium last year, and they came away with a dub. Um, obviously different circumstances, different personnel, but the impact of the game between these two teams, I think it's the same. I think, you know, these two teams are in for maybe a little rivalry if this Metro Suburban class stays, but, you know, I toss up either way, I think. Yeah, and uh, there's a good chance that the winner of this game is going on the road to face the top seed Venice. Good chance. So. <laughs> good chance. Very good chance. Very, um, very so, good chance. So very, very tough road for our teams in 4S. So let's put some predictions in, starting with Class 1S. Who you guys got? FBA by, I mean, by 35 in both games, I think. I mean, I, FBA, I think, without question. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't. Be hard to find a 
class in the state that has a bigger drop between the top-ranked team and the second-best team as 1S. I mean, yeah, it's FBA. I agree. Uh, Class 2S, do we all have Vero coming out of this? Yes. Uh... Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go okay. with I'm gonna go with Vero here. I'm really going out on a limb on that one. Let's let's jump over to to 4S. Um, who do you think is coming out? I think Venice. Most uh, Dan mentioned it. You know, teams with playoff experience fare better. Venice has had plenty of it under John Peacock in the last couple of years. They've gotten to the big game. They've won the big game. No reason to pick against Venice. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a top-heavy region, like 1S and, and 2S. You know, it's Venice and Manatee, and then there's drop-off, and I, I think there's drop-off from Venice to Manatee, so I think you'd have to go with the Venice. And as we mentioned, there's four or five, maybe six teams that can come out of 3S. Who you guys got? I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's, it's just kind of throwing a dart at this point because, like I said, you really don't know how these teams are going to respond. I, and this is with little to no confidence. I'm just going to take Dunbar. I think Dunbar, um, they showed last year, they can win on the road in tough circumstances when they beat Naples, uh, a better Naples team, I think, last year than, than Naples is this year. I'm just going to go with Dunbar, but I have very little confidence that that'll be correct because I, I, I think it's just a really hard region to predict. I think it's tough. Um I just think Golden Gate has that motivating factor with uh, Coach Pajika's suspension, you know, that kind of us-against-the-world thing that, you know, that kind of drives teams that, at this part of the season. And Trayvon Jean, he's a strong physical back, kind of built for the postseason. I think they get it done. Yeah, I mean, whether the bulletin board material is legitimate or not, I mean, there's probably three constants in the area, and it's been Golden Gate, it's been Bishop Barreau, and it's been FBA over the last, month and a half right golden gate has been a really talented team they've game planned appropriately they took it to Laley. they took it to palmetto ridge um second half against Barron was as dominant as i've seen a team play just given the circumstances and i just think back to dan's point it's very tough for a team and i think you know as you know we progress into november I don't know if they'll be able to finish. Would I be surprised if they do? Not at all. Um, they've developed a winning pedigree over the course of the season. I just something about me likes Port Charlotte, and I just have this confidence in them that their path to get there is good. I, I think they have a favorable matchup against Baron Collier. I think the result against Naples last year is far from the team that is on the field this year. Obviously, Naples is a younger, more inexperienced team, um, while Port Charlotte gets a lot of those veteran players back, and it's an easy motivator for them. I think they have the path to the regional final, and it's just whether it's Port Charlotte Golden uh, Golden Gate or Port Charlotte Dunbar, and obviously we saw what happened in in the kickoff classic with it's Port Charlotte Dunbar. But yeah, it's <laughs> but we saw that those games do not matter to a degree because Dunbar kind of put things to rest on that. But Port Charlotte's just a big physical team and they're talented, they're deep, and, and I think there's just been a lot of talk, too much talk about them not to win the region. Uh I, I, I think that they can pull it off and I think that they could get to a final four. All right, and after the break, we are going to make predictions for this week's slate of games. Stay tuned. 
For more in-depth analysis of high school football in Lee and Collier County each week, go to NaplesNews.com and News-Press.com. Let's just do it, okay? Follow us on Instagram at News Press Sports and NDN Prep Zone. Let's go! and welcome back to the picks segment we are not doing 16 games this week in a super uh what we call it super size segment deluxe deluxe edition we all fared pretty well though i mean our worst worst of us got uh 75 of the games right dustin did get baron collier gulf coast correct he picked up a game on us he went 13 and 3 closing in on a title coming into this week dustin sitting at 95 and 21 Dan sitting at 92 and 24, and yours truly sitting at 91 and 25. You're cruising, buddy. I mean, uh, how do you avoid uh, giving us uh, the lead here? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Great Good analysis. Luck. Great yeah. analysis. A plus analysis. Uh, I'm just ready to, you know, I put a lot into the picks this week, so I'm already thinking ahead. Awesome. Well, we'll get it started. Uh, we're going to progress into the tougher games as we go. Uh, starting it off in 3S, Parish Community headed to Naples. Golden Eagles have been historically good in these first-round games. I think, Dan, I think probably the last time they lost a first-round game was the Riverview game you alluded to earlier. Does that drought continue and, and they pick up a win here? Or do they fall in the first round? I think Naples wins. I, I just don't think Parrish has really demonstrated during the regular season there's a team that can, you know, go on the road and upset a team like Naples. So I, I, I think Naples wins. Schedule matters. Naples scheduled tough. Parrish didn't. Difference in the game. Naples. Dustin. I like the Golden Eagles. Yep. Uh, of course, and, you know, going down to 2S now, uh, we're going to the one versus eight matchup. Uh, Mulberry at Bishop Vareau. This is round two uh, in this uh, little mini rivalry, I guess. Mulberry had to go to Vareau in the first round to get sent home with a shutout. Dustin, Vareau by how much? Uh, a lot. Let's go with uh, 35. 35? All right. I will be more aggressive there. I will take Vareau to hit 50. I think it'll be 50. I think it'll be 56. Dan? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a running clock game. It just determines how, you know, you want to play it. Do you want to try to rest some guys toward the end? But I, I don't think this one will really ever be in doubt, and uh, I think Vero moves on pretty easily. Of course, and with that, I must add, um, there are not 10 playoff games in Southwest Florida this week, so we added three out-of-area games, all four five contests. Here's the first one. Fifth-seeded Rockledge headed to fourth-seeded Jensen Beach. Uh, Rockledge, not as deep as last year, uh, but still very good. Jensen Beach just a, has been pretty consistent over the years. Dan, I'm going to start it with you here. Who do you like, Rockledge well, I put a, a lot of thought into this one, and I'm going to go with Jensen Beach. All right. Jensen Beach, a lot of, great analysis there. D- uh, Dustin? Uh, give me the Rockledge Raiders. I like the alliteration. Oh, okay. Rockledge Raiders, they do have Jalen Howard, a very talented defensive back, four-star prospect. I'm also going to take Rockledge here. It will be a defensive battle. I think if Rockledge wins, they're going to need to hold Jensen to under 17 points. We will see. Back in the southwest Florida before we go to south Florida, Mariner headed to Golden Gate. Tritons against the Titans. Uh, Interesting little uh, thing there that I just realized, but uh, I'll start here. Golden Gate should flirt with running clock territory, I think. 
Yeah, uh, well, I'm sure the Detroit and Titan thing is, is not going to make me make a million typos on Twitter on Friday. So I'm apologizing in advance, and I'm taking Golden Gate to win. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, I, I, Mariners really kind of beat up uh, at this point. Status of Noah Tolbert, uh, who spent most of the season at quarterback for them, is also one of their better defensive players uh, at linebacker, and they're going to need – all the help on defense to try to stop a, a team that, you know, they're going to have a serious size disadvantage against. And I think Golden Gate will be able to run the football. Uh, and I think that'll be the difference. Yeah, Golden Gate just too too good. You know, they sat guys last week and still dominated. Um, Trayvon Jean, don't see in any circumstance in which he doesn't go over 100 yards. John Leon Arad should flirt with the same thing. Uh, next game up, uh, this is a heated rivalry in South Florida. Dillard at Blanche Ely. Uh, this game was close last week. This game is at Blanche Ely. Dustin, going to start it with you. Who do you like? I like uh, Blanche Ely to get revenge. Okay. I live by one rule in life, never pick against the Blanche. So I'm going to go with Blanche Ely. All right. Three for three there on Blanche Ely. Dillard did score 14 points in the fourth quarter, but came up short 33-28. Uh, Ely, good program, building things. So I think they're in good shape. Uh, next game up, Heritage headed to Vero Beach, not American Heritage. This is Heritage in uh, Brevard County. Uh, this is a 4S contest. I will start, and I'll make the pick. I think Vero Beach will eke one out here, but Heritage should keep this game pretty close. I visited Vero Beach once. Uh... <laughs> to see historic Dodger Town, uh, and I had a pretty good time, so I'm going to pick Vero Beach. You know, I cannot argue with with the argument that Dan made right there, and I, I'm going to pick Vero Beach, too. <laughs> that, that is one of the best analyses I've ever heard on this podcast. I love it. Dan, Dan I mean, how long were you there, and what, what were you there for? What I was the there for a couple of days to do an analysis of how much uh, Vero Beach was hurt by the loss of the Dodgers in terms of their uh, tourist tax revenues, all those things, because you hear a big argument about how much money spring training brings in, and spoiler alert, they weren't hurt that badly when the Dodgers left in terms of economics. Okay. Vero Beach it is, three for three there, back on the local Slate for the next four games. Uh, the 3-6 game in 3S, Barron at Port Charlotte. Mark Jackson loves when we pick against him. And I hate to say it. I mean, it, this is a business decision. i got to do it again. Port Charlotte, just I, I think playing at home will help. And despite Barron Collier being 6-0 and on the road, to their credit, they put arguably I think they're the best team on the road this season. I, I think Port Charlotte can eke one out here. And, you know, I think the size is going to be a little too much. I mean, I think Nico Boyce can move the pocket and scramble to get away from that big physical D-line. But um, I, I think Port Charlotte is just the better team at this point. Dustin? I'm going to go with Baron Collier. I think the fact that we don't see Port Charlotte, you know, they're, they're not a local team. Maybe we overrate them. Baron Collier is 8-2. Their only losses this season are, are Naples and Golden Gate. They're a very good team. They deserve the three seed. I think they get the win crazy to think that the top three seeds in 3s4 same district i mean golden gate naples baron same district i mean that i thought that in and of itself was wild dan well now i have to think about this because i was going to go with baron kyer in an effort to try to pick up a game on dustin but now that he's gone with baron kyer i think i'm going to go with port charlotte um port charlotte they did have some trouble this year with bishop Rowe, who 
obviously throws the football very well with Carter Smith. Baron Carter can do it as also. I just think physically, though, Port Charlotte, I think, will be able to run the football. I think they have a real big size advantage on the lines. Very physical team, and I think they'll be able to kind of wear down uh, the Baron Collier defense as the game moves on. Port Charlotte end up winning. I think Baron Collier might be able to keep it closer, uh, let's say, than than some people think. But I'm going to go with Port Charlotte. Thanks, Dustin. <laughs> of course. Uh, game number eight on the slate, Astero headed to Hardy. Astero, the higher-seeded team, just like Baron Collier, but they have to hit the road and play a district champ. Astero, Dan mentioned it earlier, they've not won a playoff game since 2001. I think that streak or that drought uh, is snapped. I think they do get a first-round win here, and they do snap that skid. Dustin, are you in agreement? Yeah, let's go with the Sarah to make history here. They've, you know, the last three years, they, they've kind of flirted with it. I think they get it done here, get, get that playoff win. Dan? Yeah, Hardy is traditionally a tough place to play. Uh, they're kind of one of those sneaky good football programs. But just looking at their schedule, it's really hard to get a read on how good they are just because their schedule, they really have don't have any signature wins over a team where you'd say, hey, that's a good team, and Hardy beat them. Yeah, I'll go with Acero. Of course, three for three there. Next game on the slate, it'll be Gulf Coast at Immokalee. Gulf Coast has not scored a playoff win in program history they are over um, at this point in time they are headed inland to gary Bates stadium to take on redwood uh, this game was close two weeks ago i mean it was 13 10 game gulf coast was right in it you know i'm not coming in to the playoffs where they need to be i think i mean that 68 points allowed was eye-opening i think it'll make for a hard couple practices this week uh, for James Delgado to get his guys right. Dan, I can't make a pick yet. I mean, just your thoughts on, on this one and where it might go. Uh, I think it's going to be close. You know, that that's just, I think, how these teams match up. I'm going to go with Gulf Coast. Um, I, I think they're going to find a way to get their first-ever playoff win. It's uh, tough to beat a team, I guess, twice in a season. Usually you say it's three times tough to beat a team, but um, it is Adam Ockley, but I, I think Gulf Coast will find a way. I, I, I still really like their defense. Um, I think they'll get a key turnover when it matters, and they'll pull one out. Dustin? Yeah, the Laley loss is very concerning. However, I, I think you know the same things from the last game hold up. I just think Immokalee has a little bit more explosiveness on offense, and if, if this game is as close as it's been the last couple of years, um, the Indians might, might be served well by that. So you're going with Redwood. Yes. I mean, to, to your point, I mean, Trainon Villarreal did throw for 452 yards in a loss to Laley. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, he can't throw the ball. Obviously, circumstances dictated this year where he wasn't really put in possessions to throw where he needed to. Um, you know, more reliant on the ground game, as James Delgado has always kind of uh, leaned towards. Uh, I, I mean, I can't really – I mean, it's it's just like what Dan said about throwing a dart and, and just picking a team here. Um, I think it's that close. I think Gulf Coast just has everything not going for them, but I think they're in the position. They lost this game the first time. Easier for them to get up for this one. Easier for them to try and win their first playoff game in program history and to try and uh, you know maybe reach that next level under Todd Nichols. I'm not confident in it, but I'm going to go with Gulf Coast to win this one i just think that you know sharks having seen immokalee already i think they're in decent shape to maybe pick one off 
course, our last game, if we did do Game of the Weeks for the playoffs, this would be it. Uh, it will be Fort Myers headed to Dunbar once again for the second episode of this classic rivalry. Two teams are separated by three miles. You know, this should be a good one, Dustin. I mean, your, your thoughts here and, and where you're kind of leaning. Obviously, Fort Myers, six-game winning streak. Dunbar been, I feel like, in every situation possible, and they know how to win in every situation. Yeah, midway through the game last week, I thought there is no way I'm going to pick Dunbar just because of how they looked. The offense was struggling. Um, the run game wasn't getting going. Uh, the receivers you know, were kind of bottled up for a little bit there. But they just find a way, and they, they seem to always do. And I, I just can't not pick the Tigers. Dan, I mean, you were at this game. I mean, Fort Myers basically had the game won if that PAT does not get blocked. Yeah, and uh, for some reason in this rivalry lately, Dunbar has just had the upper hand. I mean, it's been all sorts of ways that they've managed to win. Uh, Offense, defense, special teams, you know, it just doesn't matter. Something always seems to happen to let them, you know, come out on top uh, when they match up with Fort Myers. And, you know, I, I, it's really hard to pick against Dunbar this time. I'm not going to do it. Um, I'm going to say the Tigers find a way because they always seem to find a way. Yeah, and for what it's worth, I mean, Dunbar has won eight out of the last nine games in this rivalry. Fort Myers last got a win four years ago, October 4th, 2019. It was a 16-6 to game. But in, you know, in those games, every single one of Dunbar's wins – has been a one-score game, plus eight, plus six, plus eight, plus six, plus four, plus two, plus one. Sammy Sirianni has been on the wrong side of this game uh, quite a few times, and it, it is very tricky here. It, it could be Dunbar to you know maybe get right in the first round, or Fort Myers has been building something, and maybe Sammy Sirianni outcoaches Sammy Brown. I just. I mean, I just can't do it. I can't pick against Dunbar just because I feel like they've been thrown every situation possible. Um, and Fort, My- I can't say the same about Fort Myers. You know, they had that game won the first time. Obviously, the Madrid-Tucker touchdown was controversial, and maybe that game was a little closer than what it should have been, but I'm going to take the Tigers to win in the first round and get a game with Golden Gate in the semifinals. Uh, so that wraps up the pick segment. Uh, we're going to have a couple features this week. Dustin's profiling Sammy Brown. Uh, I'm profiling the Bishop Row defense uh, as they've taken leaps and bounds compared to last year. Uh, so be sure to go to news-press.com slash sports and naplesnews.com slash sports for all of your high school football content during the playoffs. We will have you covered from wire to wire, from start to finish. Um, we're your source for high school football here in Southwest Florida. Uh, be sure to follow the guys on X at Dustin B. Levy, at News Press Dan, and at NP underscore Alex Martin. Uh, you can talk to us about football. You can be in our mentions, do whatever. Um, but for those guys, for our wonderful producer, Amanda Inscore, this is uh, Season 6, Episode 13 of the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast. We will see you next week to break down some more games. Thanks for listening. Remember, the Inside Southwest Florida Football Podcast will be available for download every Wednesday at noon to get you ready for upcoming games. One, two, three.